الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله Please make sure your mask is covering your mouth and nose. Allahu Akbar. الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين كافها يا عين صاد ذكر رحمة ربك عبده زكريا إذ نادى ربه نداء خفيا قال رب إني وهن العظم مني واشتعل الرأس شيبا ولم أكن بدعائك رب شقيا وَإِنِّي خِفْتُ الْمَوَالِيَ مِنْ وَرَائِي وَكَانَتِ امْرَأَتِي عَاقِرًا وَكَانَتِ امْرَأَتِي عَاقِرًا فَهَبْ لِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ وَلِيًّا يَرِثُنِي وَيَرِثُ مِنْ آلِ يَعْقُوبَ وَاجْعَلْهُ رَبِّ رَضِيًّا يا زكريا إنا نبشرك بغلام اسمه يحيى لم نجعل له من قبل سميا قال رب أنا يكون لي غلام وكانت امرأتي عاقرا وكانت امرأتي عاقرا وقد بلغت من الكبر عتيا قال كذلك 
قال ربك هو علي هين وقد خلقتك من قبل ولم تك شيئا قال رب اجعل لي آية قال آيتك ألا تكلم الناس ثلاث ليال سويا فخرج على قومه من المحراب فأوحى إليهم فأوحى إليهم أن سبحوا بكرة وعشيا يا يحيى خذ الكتاب بقوة وآتيناه الحكم صبيا وحنانا من لدنا وزكاة وكان تقيا وبرا بوالديه ولم يكن جبارا عصيا وسلام عليه وسلام عليه يوم ولد ويوم يموت ويوم أبعث حيا الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين وبرا بوالديه ولم يكن جبارا عصيا وسلام عليه يوم ولد ويوم يموت ويوم يبعث حيا واذكر في الكتاب مريم إذ انتبذت من أهلها مكانا شرقيا 
فاتخذت من دونهم حجابا فأرسلنا إليها روحنا فأرسلنا إليها روحنا فتمثل لها بشرا سويا قالت إني أعوذ بالرحمن منك إن كنت تقيا قال إنما أنا رسول ربك لأهب لك غلاما زكيا قالت أنا يكون لي غلام ولم يمسسني بشر ولم أك بغيا قال كذلك قال ربك هو علي هين ولنجعله آية للناس ورحمة منا وكان أمرا مقضيا فحملته فانتبذت به مكانا قصيا فأجاءها المخاض إلى جذع النخلة قالت يا ليتني مت قبل هذا وكنت نسيا منسيا فناداها من تحتها ألا تحزني قد جعل ربك تحتك سريا وهزي إليك بجذع النخلة تساقط عليك رطبا جنيا فكلي واشربي وقري عينا فكلي واشربي وقري عينا فإما ترين من البشر أحدا فقولي إني نذرت للرحمن صوما فلن أكلم اليوم إنسيا فأتت به قومها تحمله قالوا يا مريم لقد جئت شيئا فريا الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر 
الله أكبر الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله 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 أكبر الله أكبر الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله
Inshallah, after the remaining sunnah, we will have our weekly tafsir with Mufti Azimuddin Ahmed. Inshallah, we will be continuing with Surah Maryam. We humbly request all the brothers and sisters to stay back and benefit, or they can join us virtually on our YouTube channel, Inshallah. Jazakallah khairan.
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب الشح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لعلمنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لعلمنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لعلمنا إلا ما علمتنا أما بعد Respected listeners Dear brothers and sisters Alhamdulillah We thank Allah Most generous, most gracious, most merciful That he has granted us yet another week To sit together with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In his house And to learn some of the meanings And extrapolate and share some of the uh, benefit, Beneficial points That hopefully we can all implement in our lives And it's an honor for us to be part of something like this And we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, with an earnest uh, appeal that Ya Allah allow me to hear what I need to hear and if all of us make that intention and all of us are sincerely looking for guidance then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow us to be able to hear exactly what we need to hear in any given dars not only of tafsir but any lesson our intention should be Ya Allah there's no one in this entire room there's no one who's listening Anywhere who needs to hear your words more than I do There's no more there's no one who needs guidance more than I do And ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I am humbling myself in front of you Begging and, and, and asking you to guide me to the straight path To allow me to see the light at the end of the tunnel To allow me to be guided through the verses of the Quran So that I'm able to understand how to navigate through the predicaments And the difficulties that I'm facing in my life And that type of humility and humbleness in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will go a long way and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will actually be able to will, will definitely guide you to what, you're, what, you, what you and I need to be guided to, towards inshallah last week uh, we, we spoke about extensively on the aspect of Maryam alayhi salam um, Maryam radiallahu anha she not wanting to be in the company of this uh, he, who she thought was a human but it was an angel and how she wanted to back away from him and asked him to back away if he had any fear of God and um, he instead responded by saying that I'm not a human with uh, the human uh, uh, desires and so forth. Instead, I am a, a, a messenger um, from your Lord, from your caretaking, your loving Lord who has come to grant you the glad tidings of a pure boy. We talked about the aspects of, of how this was a gift, the greatest gift, Wahab, Hiba, a gift to, to Maryam um, uh, of, a, of a boy, of a pure boy. Uh, that would not be a source of discomfort and worry for her. And then we talked about how she responded by saying, I'm just surprised. How am I going to have a child when one of the two ways of having children, either a, a out, out of marriage relationship or in marriage relationship, both of them have not existed. So how is this possible? And um, the, haya, the, the, the etiquette of the Quran, how the Quran alludes to this by simply saying touch. Nothing more than that. One of them says, no human has touched me. Right? So um, now this is where we start today. The angel said, Kadalik, even so it shall be. It'll be just like that. Uh, why is that? Because your Lord uh, has said, your, your Lord has said, it is easy for me. Um, this is a beautiful ayah. Because what we're discussing over here, my dear friends, is a miracle about to happen, right? But look at the angel. Angel is responding to this lady, Maryam, who's saying that, how is it um, 
possible for me to have a child when there's no asbab and no means of having a child? And look at the very nonchalant, simple, relaxed, cool answer of this angel. He says, just like that. That's how it's going to happen. No need to worry. Why? Because my Lord and your Lord, Allah, He has said that it's easy for me. So this aspect of kathalik is something we all need to take home right now, today. Anytime we're faced with any type of difficulty and we're, we're asked to turn to Allah, the knee-jerk response is, this is too hard. Come on, I just, it's, it's difficult. It can't happen. And what we don't understand is that no one says the solution to this problem is in your hands or my hands or the one who's giving the talk in his hands. People say, it's easy for you to give a talk. It's easy for you to say, this, stay away from haram. But do you have any idea how hard it is? For example. It's true what that person is saying. But we're not saying that you need to stay away from the harm. We're saying seek refuge in Allah to stay away from the haram. So let's say someone is in knee deep in interest or neck deep in riba loans. His entire business, his entire home, his car, his um, wedding ring is all on debt, credit card debt. Now you're telling him, repent from riba. What is he going to tell you? Right? How? You know it's nice for you to give a talk about riba being haram and whatnot, but be practical. Right? Be practical. Let's be realistic. How am I supposed to get myself out of this mess? It's not going to happen. It's, I'm 30 year loan, this one 20 year, refinance to you know, 19 years and this and that, all sorts of stuff going on. And this is the reality of many Muslims across the globe. What we don't understand is that before we even come, we start speaking about the solution, you already threw the towel in, you said, I'm out. Niyodah, cannot happen. When, what we're learning from here is that having a child without any means that is much more miraculous than you and I getting out of an interest-bearing loan. Don't you think so? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us here, it's easy, simple. As the kids say, easy peasy, right? This is simple. Not a big deal. Child with a parent, with a mother, without a mother, with a father, without the father, without anyone, that day, hey, it's all the same for me. The means... The world is a place of means, but that's for our perspective. From our perspective, for Allah, means without means, against means, it's all the same. And that's why the ulama say this ayah here, huwa aliyah hayyun. He says, it's easy for me. Hayyun means easy. What does that mean? There's certain things that are difficult. Allah Azza wa says in the Quran, Antum ashaddu khalqan sama. Are you harder to create or the heavens? Are you all harder to create or the heavens? Allah is asking us. Banaha, He built it. Rafa'a samka, He's elevated. Fasawaha, made it beautiful. وَأَغْطَشَ لَيْلَهَا وَأَخْرَجَ ضُحَاهَا وَالْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ دَحَاهَا أَخْرَجَ مِنْهَا مَاءَهَا وَمَرْعَاهَا وَالْجِبَالَ أَرْسَاهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us the heavens and the earth, the rivers, the mountains, the sun, the moon. I created all of that. Is that a bigger creation or are you? And they obviously the answer is, who are we compared to those massive creations? Ya Allah, of course you created that, you created us. We're... Then the question is, if Allah, can, uh, Allah, cre- if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of that, then He created you, then to resurrect all of you, what's a big deal? You get it? So with ayats like this, where Allah Azza wa uses the word easy or easier, that is only based on our language and our understanding and from our perspective. Otherwise, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no such thing as easier and easy, harder or less hard. It's all the same. Amrukun. 
فيكون. When you have buttons, you have lights. You have one one light will search, switch on this uh, this hall. Another light will switch on, let's say the the uh, the lights at the minaret. Third one will switch on all the exterior lights of the building. For the person who's pressing the switch, does it make a difference? Each switch might be connected to one small light or hundreds of huge stadium lights. Doesn't make you don't feel any difference. You press a button and it's done. For Allah subhanahu wa taala. It makes no difference. Kun, be, and it comes into existence. With means, without means, against means, whether it's the sun or the moon or, or, or you know, moving this phone right here. It's all the same thing. And no difference. Subhanallah. So when we think of our situations that we find ourselves in, challenges that we find ourselves in, my dear brothers, so many people reach out to, each, to me or to whoever, asking, hey, you know, I got this tough, very tough situation. How am I supposed to get out of this? But I'm Muslim Right? That, that mas'ala that you're stuck in, the only one who can get you out of that mess is Allah Azza wa Jal. And there's no mess that's too big. There's no such thing as too big of a mess. Until we don't have this conviction, we're not going to be able to get out of it. But that's a problem. Right? That's a problem. Most people, shaitan beats them down. First, it gets us into the ditch. Then he comes and tells us, hey, guess what? This ditch is so deep, there's no one out there who can pull you out. So now, even if you see someone who's trying to get you to connect to Allah, he comes and says, ah, don't even try. It's not even worth trying. That's too far-fetched. You're never going to reach there. So he, someone else comes in, another, someone sends him a link to a talk. Someone sends him, connects him to someone else. And as soon as he starts thinking that maybe this is my way out, shaitan la'een comes and says, ah, uh-uh, you're not going to get out of this. This also, this door is closed for you. So the key thing is to have immense hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whatever the situation is, I'm never gonna get out. You know how nice I'm gonna. I always share with you sad stories to wake you all up. But I gotta share you a good story too. One of the one of the uh, good good very good friends and students of mine, um, some years ago, whose story I shared, you know, one day just messaged me before Fajr Salah, saying that he's lost his faith, and he can, uh, uh, you know, pretty much can't be a Muslim anymore, and he said I need some help. And within uh, you know a few minutes of texting him, this is before Fajr, I realized very quickly, you know, when you you know what's a stroke, you understand, <laughs> or you know what's a stage four cancer. It's like okay, this is a tough one here. Very quickly figured that out, and I said, you know, come and come and see me, and then we'll sit down and talk. But that never happened. Um, and I said, I'm not. Gonna, I refuse to speak to you over the phone, over text. We have to sit in person and talk. Because when you sit And I'll repeat the story For those who didn't hear about it Because you can learn a lesson from that I said when you message someone There's a shaitan from behind him Who's giving him all the answers to tell you So it's not you and him speaking It's you and his shaitan speaking And you know we can go all night all day It's not going to go anywhere Actually some of his friends spoke to him for 6 hours Non-stop And at the end they said we didn't get anywhere I said yeah that's, you're not going to get anywhere Because you're not dealing with him You're dealing with a very big shaitan behind him right now Otherwise this is not him I know him He wouldn't be saying stuff like this Right? He's under the spell right now. He needs to get himself out of that spell before you can you know, knock some sense into him. So after a long time, one day he showed up to the masjid. He sat in a program. And afterwards we spoke. And alhamdulillah, you know, he was very appreciative. And he said, I realized when you said you don't want to speak to me, I realized that you're not doing it because you don't care for me, but you realize that it's not going to help. And now after coming here, just sitting in the masjid for an hour, I feel the difference. That I actually am a different person from uh, where I was at home, say. So we, let's not underestimate the power of coming and sitting and gathering like this. Be, regardless of who the speaker is and what the topic is. Just sitting in the house of Allah is one of the most amazing things. So if any of you have got friends who are struggling, 
Just bring them to the masjid. You know, just bring them to the masjid. Just let them sit. Don't, don't worry about anything else. Just say, hey, just come sit and we'll go eat out afterwards. You know, something. Just let them sit. No matter what the talk is going to be or who the speak, speaker is, just being in the presence of the angels in the house of Allah has an amazing, powerful effect. So afterwards, I gave the example to him. I said, you know, it just seems like the lights have been switched off in your heart. Like the stadium lights are on, everything is on. You can see everything. But when the light gets switched off, the bleachers don't disappear. The goal doesn't dis- the goalie doesn't nothing disappears. Everything is as is, and the, st- the stadium you know boards are no, don't disappear. Everything is as is. It's all there, but you just can't see them. So right now you're asking me, what's the proof of God? What's the proof of angels? What's the proof of the Quran? Wait, you knew all of that yesterday. What happened today? They're all there, but it's simply the light has been switched off. So we don't need to start trying to bring in what you call you know re decorate or re uh, you know uh, build the stadium. I don't see any bleachers So let me go bring in some bleachers No, you don't need to waste your time doing that You need to figure out how to turn the lights on That's what you need to do So you don't need to sit here Trying to bring stuff into the person's heart You simply need to figure out How to turn on that Imani switch back on Once that happens Automatically all the questions and objections Will be gone And the same legitimate Yaqeen and conviction will come back in So um, we, you know, one, one discussion What I had with him It wasn't a, uh, the end of it I tried to explain, he said, no, I can't be a Muslim. And I just finished, I'm over, I'm done. I just, I've lost belief. And they said, oh, talk about all this stuff. I told him one thing, listen, man. I want you to pray. You don't pray salah, no praying salah. You don't, nothing, fine. Just before you go to bed, make dua, supplicate, and say, God, if you're there. Halaki bandai, this person used to pray tahajjud. You know what I mean? But that's how quickly these lights can get turned off. I should just say, God, if you're there, listen to me. I want to, I want to get guide, be guided to you. But right now, I'm just going through this really dark part of my life where the lights are switched off. Please turn on the light. Can you do that for me? He said, yeah, I can do that. You know, I have hope. I said, so what did you just say? He said, I have hope. I said, hope and who? I said, he said, Allah. I said, finish. Why are you saying you're not a Muslim? Since when? No, but I don't, I don't feel like praying. I said, that doesn't mean you're not a Muslim. The fact that you just said you have hope in Allah, done. Stop saying you're not a Muslim. That's another tactic, alright brothers? You hear people saying they're not a Muslim, you have to explain to them that they are. That that's just shaitan telling them they're not. Okay, this is happening a lot. People think that they're not, you know, and you have to tell them no. They say, but I don't pray, well, I don't pray. Okay, but I do X, Y, Z, no problem. Let them say a million things. The last thing you want to do is say, you're right, you're not a Muslim anymore. That's a, you're really putting the nail in the coffin there. Don't let him do that. That's what shaitan has been telling him. Don't assist him in making him believe that he's out of the fold of Islam. Try your best to find every possible explanation, reason, to just say, no, you know what, you're a Muslim. So alhamdulillah, that's what I told him. I said, you know, if the fact you say you have hope in Allah, that means you're a Muslim. He said, what? I said, yeah, just, just go away from me. You're a Muslim, right? Khalas, go. <laughs> Subhanallah. So this past week, I received a message. Again, right around Fajr time, before Fajr. And he basically, you know, said, thank you for not, you know, uh, losing hope in me. I'm back. After about maybe three years or so, subhanAllah, Allah Azza wa Jal brought him back to the deen. And the reason what I want to share, share the story with you is what was the key point in the story of not losing hope, right? There could be no worse predicament than this. That a man who studied knowledge of deen, who knows the proofs, Arabic proofs of the existence of God, logical proofs, and is outright says, I don't believe this stuff anymore. What could be a worse situation you could find yourself in than this? Period. This could be nothing worse than this. But even in that situation, he did not lose hope in Allah. Alhamdulillah. And that hope in Allah is what got him out. It took three years, but eventually it did get him out. 
So this aspect of qala kadhalik, it's, it, it's so shall it be, is something we need to believe in. If we need to get out of riba, we need to get out of a haram loan, haram business, we need to get out of a habit of missing our prayers, we need to get, a habit, uh, get out of other bad habits. Stop saying this cannot happen, that this is too difficult, too challenging. Okay, don't say that, don't ever say that. Remember these verses of the Qur'an. And for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for him to say kun, that yeah, this person's heart should be changed, away from dunya towards akhirah, away from things towards me, it doesn't take even a second for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do that. All the stories of the pious who repented, whose lives changed. In a moment, you hear these stories, and you realize, mashallah, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change hearts, it's, you know, it doesn't take very long at all. And there's too, too many stories of that. One of my beloved classmates and good friends, he's serving the deen in an amazing you know, uh, country far away from his uh, land of South Africa and learned the language, migrated over there, uh, got, brought his wife over, all him, his wife and his children all learned the language of that new land. And they immigrated true hijrah just for the sake of Allah, leaving behind the luxuries that he had back home in Africa, in South Africa. And uh, mashallah now for the past, what, Tom? 15 years now is serving in that country establish a maktab establish a madrasa establish a hif school establish an alim school establish an islamic school establish a multiple halal meat stores you know restaurants everything just two people him and one my teacher that's it that's it two people pretty much changed the direction of that country where, and he graduated with me an amazing individual where was he found? he was a DJ in a nightclub okay he was a DJ in a nightclub and some Jamaat brothers found him, subhanAllah, one day, I don't know where, you know, and they just brought him to the masjid and the rest is history. Right? So um, these, there are many examples like this of people who had a very bad past. But when they came towards the deen, it was just the right moment, the right time, someone's dua, and then they flew. And they're still flying, mashallah, way above. Right? So uh, we, we cannot um, write ourselves off or anyone else off. Have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزِ that is not difficult for Allah. Remember this ayah. That's not difficult for Allah. And what else? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants ease for you. He does not want difficult for difficulty for you. What else? Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable over everything. Shay. What is shay? What is the definition of shay? Masi Everything besides Allah is shay. Everything besides Allah is shay. Everything besides Allah is shay. This is the definition of shay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of over every single thing besides anything else related to Him. So meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unchangeable. He's made His sunnah. He made His way of, of Himself. Besides that, Allah will manipulate whatever He wants. As for Him, He's not going to change. Allah says in Surah Fatir, you will never find Allah to be changing. His, his way of doing things is set. But everything else Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can change. So you have a coworker, you have an employer at, at the office that is a really pain for you, causing problems. Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Ya muqallib al-qulub, O turner of the hearts. Right, turn this person's heart. For example. Huwa This will be easy for me. What's the next? Why are we doing this? Of course it'll be easy. But why are we granting you a child without a husband here? And he said, For we shall make him a miraculous sign for all people. وَرَحْمَةً minna And a mercy from us. So the purpose of Isa salam coming into the world like this is for him to become a sign. Ayah is usually a miraculous sign that's out of the ordinary. 
So what you're going to see here is something out of the ordinary. Ulama wrote a very ajeeb point here. That what Isa was going to become an ayah and a miracle for people to see the power of Allah. What Minna and Isa is going to become a source of mercy. Why? People who believe in him will be saved from hellfire. Right? People who follow his path will be gaining salvation. But look at how much difficulty the mother had to go through with this ar and this fear of, rather, I should say, fear of, uh, of uh, abuse at the hands of the people and accusations at the hands of the people and not be able to show her face in society and worried about the future of her child without a father, a single mother raising, her, raising this son who is, she's totally unprepared. All of that. So what do we learn from here? That sometimes for the benefit of the larger public, certain people will have to take, suffer some difficulties. That's just the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things. That in order for the larger community to benefit, someone sometimes needs to pay the price. Someone needs to make the sacrifice. But they're not paying the price twice. You only pay the price once. If they pay the price in this world, they're gonna get a payout in akhirah. Right? That's the whole thing. So we, in order for people to, you know, for this building to stand where it is right now, there were certain tons of concrete that had to submit itself to be at the bottom of this building. There were certain bricks and blocks that had to submit to be at the bottom of this building, upon which then this building can rise. So there are certain individuals who have to be willing to become the foundation. They have to be willing to put themselves down. They have to be willing to make huge sacrifices in order for the future communities to thrive. But the payout of that is going to be amazing. The asas, the foundation, those people who are willing to become the foundation, then inshallah, ta'ala, in akhirah, the rewards that they're going to be getting is just going to be unbelievable. Today, I just came across an article in the Los Angeles Times, I think so it was, of a brother in Orange County who passed away. Yeah, you read of that? Right? SubhanAllah. Apparently, he is a Palestinian brother, rahimahullah, wasi'ah. He came from Palestine, and his father passed away, uh, you know, long ago, in the 70s, I think so. And there was no one to bury his dad. He had to go fend for himself and figure out. This is, you know, a long time ago. And he had to figure out how, what to do, where to go find the plot, and how to go bury his, uh, you know, do the ghusl and everything. No imams, no masjids, nothing. It's a long time ago. And after he buried his father, subhanAllah, he realized, you know what? This is what I've got to do in this country. I've got to help bury people. From the 70s. So ever since then, for the past 50 years, that's what he's been doing. You know, as just volunteer, on a voluntary basis, helping people with the janazas. So they say anyone who's passed away in Orange County, you know, huge county out there in LA, uh, pretty much he's been involved in that. So three weeks ago, SubhanAllah, he got COVID and he passed away yesterday. I was at a today or one of these days. Right. Leaving behind five children, two of them apparently police officers. So they were just saying that we didn't understand who Baba was. Baba was a very quiet person. But when he died, we, within the first day, they received 300 phone calls from across the globe from people saying, you know what, your dad buried my wife, my husband, my brother-in-law, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law, all, around, all over the world, people are calling them. So we had no idea. This is the behind the scenes. This is what our dad was doing. So imagine how he became the foundation for what happened for the next 50 years in this country. And now their sons together are... Um, Family together are apparently starting up a, uh, a, or a non-for-profit to help uh, pay the finances and the expenses of people who cannot afford their funeral. MashaAllah. Right? So, the simple thing like that. This is the amazing part of this country. We are, this is not Pakistan, this is not you know, Saudi or whatnot. This is America where we are told, the Muslim community is still in its infancy or childhood. So there's really so much amazing work you and I can do. You know what I'm saying? It's not like our infrastructure is not built yet. 
our, 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 our human resources is not established yet. There's tons of work to do, to do, to be done here. All of us young brothers, mashallah, so nice to see majority of youngsters sitting here. Every one of you can be inspired to say, you know, this is what I want to do. And it's not like, oh, it's a very crowded area. No, Medan Kulai, the, the avenues are too many. The, the, uh, the opportunities are too many. You want to go serve the deen? Choose something. Whether it's burying, helping people's burial, helping you know, uh, uh, children with autism, helping you know, your kids who are suffering with drug abuse. That's, that's, I feel this. There's a huge need for some of us to dedicate our lives to helping people who are, coming, who are, who have, who are trying to come back from addiction. Very big problem. What do we have? What do we offer in the community? Not that much that I know of. Right? It's, it's very tough when you're dealing with families who, are, who have uh, children who are you know, substance abusers. And what do we have for them? So maybe some of you listening to me will say, okay, fine, this is my calling. There's too many things out there. Find a calling. Right? Find something. Find something for yourself besides your IT career, besides your medical career, besides your engineering career. That's there to make money and to take care of your family. Mashallah, is great. You have to do that. But besides on your free time, find something that you're passionate about, right? that you like. You could, there's a million things out there, really. I come across so many ingenious things that people, mashallah, are doing to serve the deen. So many beautiful ways. One brother, I remember out in East Coast somewhere, he said, you know, I realize that we need to force our Muslims to go meet their neighbors. We just don't do that. I'll say, we don't do a good enough job of meeting our non-Muslim neighbors. So he said, I said, you know, let, you know, a physician, he's like, let me start something. I went and contacted one baklava store, and he said, you know, I, wanna, I want you to start giving me at like, you know, uh, cost price huge tons of, uh, of stuff which specially packaged for non-Muslims, right? And um, with the, he, he created a nice greeting card and everything like that and bought a thousand of those, brought it to his masjid and he's like, all right, come on, all of you take 20, you know, as many as you want. And I want you all go out to your neighborhoods and distribute this nice baklava with, uh, with, a, with a greeting card. And it went very well. Everyone came back like the next day or the next week and said, we had like the most amazing experience. We ended up meeting people we never met before, our own neighbors. We had nice conversations. We were very appreciative. And from there, this idea sprang out. How about we start, uh, you make an organization. People want to donate towards this cause. Cost $3 a box. That's it. Anyone, you can raise 1000 2000 any masjid. And you donate it towards this organization. And so now anyone wants to call and calls that baklava store and says, you know, I want 50 packets with a greeting card. They'll send it to you for free, right? For free, because someone's not motivated to go buy it himself. Obviously, probably I'm guessing most people pay, pay it themselves. But let's just say someone says, "I don't have money." College student says, "You know what? I'm ready for this. I don't have the bucks. I don't have the money to buy baklava. But if it's already been paid for somewhere, I'd be gladly go spend an hour a day, you know, giving it to non-Muslims around my area." Mashallah, there you go. You don't have to even pay for it. You see, one one individual who shared this idea with me out in uh, in North Carolina. So um, anyway, the, the baklava store is Shatila. You know, the famous one in Michigan. So if you, any of you are interested, call them and ask them about what I just said. Right? But you better not eat it yourself, okay? Buy $3 baklava and eat it yourself. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so this is, um, there's basically what I'm trying to say. There's so many opportunities to serve the deen. Right? And we have to take it upon ourselves. So, Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him an ayah. And Maryam alayhi Maryam anha had to make a little bit of difficulty. Had to suffer a little bit. But for long term, obviously, she's going to benefit tremendously by being the mother of Isa. So those of us who are making sacrifices in this country, in this land, in whatever good work you're doing, I know it's hard, you're alone, but your reward is just going to be amazing. Only when you and I will leave this world and go into the grave will we start be thinking that, my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe this is how worth every night it was. I wish I could have another hundred years, right? To have done this, this work. وَكَانَ أَمْرًا مَقْضِيَّةً And then he said, 
this is a matter decreed ye masla ye mamla iska faisla ho chuka hai this matter is closed for discussion done has been decided so the word of qada has come here the word maqdiya from qada like a qadi a judge when he makes a decision you can debate with it a mufti he he says something you can argue back and it definitely he doesn't have the ability to enforce it mufti cannot enforce it who can enforce it a qadi can a judge in a muslim country or even a non muslim country a judge has the right to enforce rules so qada is the allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that not only does he qadar is decree qada is the decree when it's enforced right qadar is decree and qada is that decree that is being enforced so we we learn from this also the aspect of just having faith in a destiny so much benefit so it comes from this nabi alayhi salatu wasalam has mentioned hadith he said um li mu'min i am surprised or i am uh, you know i am surprised at the, at the condition and the affairs of a believer and I'm pleasantly surprised at the condition of a believer. What is that? Inna amr al-mu'min kullahu lahu khair. All the affairs of a believer are good for him. He is never in a loss. Never in a loss. Laysa dhalika li ahadin illa lil-mu'min. That situation of always winning is only for a believer. Have you ever heard of a stock that you never lose in? Right? There's no such thing like that. You're always ups and downs. But there's one stock and that's a stock of a believer he never loses. The Prophet said in Sabatu Sarra, if good tidings and nice things come his way, shakara, he's grateful. Wakana khairan and it's beneficial for him. When Sabatu Darra and difficulty comes his way, Sabara, he simply remains patient. Wakana khairan and it's good for him. So be it good situation or bad situation, he simply has to choose one of the two options. Patience or gratitude, and he'll succeed. The Prophet ﷺ, when he would look at something which he liked, which he would like, he would say, Alhamdulillahi salihat. All praise belongs to Allah, through whose blessings all nice things come to a completion. All praise belongs to Allah, through whose blessings upon me, all nice things come to a completion. Alhamdulillahi but at the same time, when he would see something he disliked, what would he say? Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. All praise belongs to Allah in all situations. And the second part of this is wa'udu billahi min hali I seek refuge in Allah from the condition of the people of hellfire. So it, things may look bad for me right now, but it's nothing compared to the condition of the people of hellfire. Right? So Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. This is what we are what we've been taught to keep on saying Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ has given us a lot of emphasis on believing in qada and qadr. It's mentioned in one book, Al-Imanu Bil-Qadri Yudhibul Hamma Wal Hazan. Iman and belief in predestiny removes worry and sadness. Mawlana Ashwari Thanwi Rahmatullahi wrote a very nice article that's been translated in English. It used, it used available on the Ilmgate. I don't know if Ilmgate website is still up and running or not, but it's somewhere on the, somewhere on the internet you'll find it. On the six benefits of believing in predestiny. And I would recommend you all to read that. It's a really nice article. Six benefits of believing in predestiny, right? By Mulan Ashafari Tanwi, Rahimahumullah. Um, and one of them is this what is mentioned here that a person who believes in predestiny, he will, he will not be suffering from sorrow and depression. With like people who lost money recently in the stock market, for example. I heard of someone, a young man who took his life, yeah, through the Robin Hood app. He took his life, he killed himself because it was an error message was given to him that he lost, what, 
Bichara miskin, he took, he killed himself. Okay, so let's say you actually lost 750,000. Right? Still, that's not worth to kill yourself. <laughs> Nothing's worth to kill yourself. Who is that now? It's how, how do you handle stuff like that? You handle it when you have belief in Qadr and Qadr. You know what's a real sad story? That's not really sad. You know what's really sad? When I read stories of, of a mother or a father accidentally killing their own child. I read of, a, of like a mother reversing onto her child. You know. You read that and you're like, how do you live after that? How do you live after that? Well, there you go. If you believe in Qadr and Qadr, you'll be able to live. You'll say, what am I supposed to do? That was 100% written from before. Before the creation of the heavens and the earth, that was written. That was meant to happen. You can say all you want, you can blame me all you want, you can suffer, throw me in jail, whatever you want. But, deep down I know that that was written. It was meant to happen. And so that's how you calm yourself down. Someone is suffering through divorce. Someone is suffering through uh, loss of, of, of income, loss of a family member, anything. Who does jaza faza? Who starts getting anxious and angry and worried and starts crying and throwing a fit? Is the one who has weak iman in qada and qadar. Who doesn't just get it. That there's no way you could have averted this. Whatever hit you was never meant to miss you. Whatever missed you was never meant to hit you. What an amazing, beautiful hadith of Rasulullah He's telling this to the famous hadith. He's telling this to Abdullah ibn Abbas. Young boy. He's saying, I'm going to teach you some things. This is the main discussion that we have to have with our children, with ourselves. Basic aqaib, imaniyat. Remember, whatever was meant to happen, even the entire If the entire ummah were to gather together to benefit you, O oh Ibn Abbas and O oh every one of you, if the entire ummah, all humanity, jinn and all kind were to come together to benefit you, they will never be able to benefit you even in the least except for that which was already written for you. Your car is stuck. And one person came to push it out of the snow. It didn't work. Then five people, or another five people came, and it came out. Right? They came out, not because five people came. It came out because Allah wanted to, to come. That's what it is. If Allah did not want it to come, 50 wouldn't be able to take it out. And if Allah wanted to take it out earlier, with your fingertip, you could have pushed it out. That's the belief you have to have. Whatever benefit and harm is happening, the means is just there. Reality is Allah's hukum that's taking place. And if the entire ummah were to gather together to harm you, you're not two, two police officers are looking or two thugs are looking. No. If the entire universe were to have their guns pulled out against you and to come searching for you, the hadith is saying, believe, believe and believe that of all the jinn and all the humans, any bliss himself, were to come after you, they will never be able to harm you except in that amount which was already predestined for you. Then what does the last part of the hadith? Rufi'at al The pens have been lifted. Wajuffat al-suhuf The scrolls have dried. The ink on the scrolls has dried. Okay, it's written. Done. So this yaqeen we need to discuss every day in our homes. Anytime any one of us says something, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. This is crazy. Remind ourselves and remind them that no point in throwing a fit. This was meant to happen. Seriously. We have a, we have, this is the weakness of our iman. Learn, if a glass breaks and we're thinking the world, you know, a plate breaks and we think the world has come to an end, what's going to happen when bigger things happen in your life? That's what I get worried. What's going to happen when big things, big accidents, is this world is a place of accidents, right? This place is a place of misery and difficulty. That's how it is. Allah made it like that. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to get hurt. That's just part of life. 
We have to understand that. Who's going to be able to handle that? The one who's iman, iman on Allah, and the iman on the qadr and qada is strong. فَحَمَلَتُ She carried him. So she conceived him. Hamala is to carry or to conceive. She conceived him. Some say it happened right then and there. Immediately, um, she conceived and very soon she was about to give birth. Others say no, it was a natural, you know, eight months long, etc. She, she conceived, but it was, it, took, it was a full term, you know, or almost full term pregnancy. فَانْتَبَذَتْ um, بِهِ And then she withdrew with him to a remote place. Nabada is to throw. Nabith, did we talk about that last week? Right? Nabith, the drink, the date drink. Right? I think so. Where you throw the dates in. Um, so, so in Tabada is to, to separate herself. So she threw, she withdrew or pushed away, right? With him, carrying him. Makanan qasiyya, to a remote place. Qasa, Aqsa, Masjid al Aqsa. Why is it called Aqsa? Because it's far away from Makkah and Medina. Aqsa, furthest. Aqsa al in tajweed. The furthest part from your mouth, from your tongue, from your lips, right? The bottom part of your throat where the, the, some of the letters are, uh, uh, come from. So qasiyya is from the same root word. Makan al from a very far off place, she went away. Why did she go away there? Because she did not want to have to face her community uh, carrying the baby. Because they'll ask a bunch of questions. Even if she was married, she had haya. If she were to be married, naturally she would have the haya not to be exposing herself as carrying a baby. But now that she's in this uh, miraculous situation here, she definitely does not want to attract attention towards herself. So she walks away, far away from everyone. Now, for, for a mother, a young girl, who's, this is her first um, child that she's um, carrying, you, we know that this is one of the most difficult things, one of the most painful things, right? And it's the anxiety that comes for a new mother, that the mothers fly in from a different part of the country. No, these fly in from overseas, usually. And mother-in-law, or, or you know, they're all there. Look at this young girl, who is, who is totally not expecting this. She came there to do ibadah. Seconds later, minutes later, she's sitting here with this. Subhanallah. We can't even begin to imagine the type of emotional turmoil she must have been going through. And then the physical pain and the worry. In normal circumstances, there's so much anxiety, so much stress for a first-time mother. Here, being unexpected, and now she can't even call up to her mother. What is her mother gonna say? What is her mother gonna say? What is her uh, mentor, Shaykh Zakaria alayhi salam going to say? Astaghfirullah, what are you doing? What is anyone going to say? That's what she's thinking. So she cannot talk to anyone. She cannot seek help from anyone. She is in this really, really tight, difficult predicament. And she finds, she, now what does she do? Al-Makhadu. The birth pangs, let's fast forward, whether it happened in days or, or hours, or it happened over eight months. The birth pangs drove her. Now she's in the actual moment when she's in a lot of pain. Mahava. Mahav, birth pangs. Actually, Khava Yahudu is, um, you know, when something is being uh, vigorously shaken in, in like a well. You take a, a bucket is, or, a, or a stick is shaken inside in a, in a well. So this Mahav is like the child inside the stomach is vigorously shaking to come out. SubhanAllah, what's the beauty of this language? Right? The child inside is kicking and, uh, and, uh, and so forth. So that birth pangs drove her to the trunk of a date palm. So now you want to take rest because you cannot, um, uh, you know, she cannot, uh, she can't handle it. She cannot handle lying down. 
So she's standing up, trying to you know, probably take deep breaths and whatnot. And now she needs support. So she just runs towards a tree and leaning against this tree, all alone. There's no humans around there, right? Completely alone. Her mom, mom doesn't know, relatives don't know, and wondering, what am I gonna, how am I going to handle this? And imagine a lady of such haya. She obviously was not well-read about all this. Right? She wasn't aware, most likely, about all this stuff, what happens. So now she calls out, what a powerful plea to Allah, ajib. Qalat ya laytani. She said, oh, alas for me, high of source. Ya laytani, alas for me. You know, may people cry upon me. My condition is worthy to be cried upon. I'm in the most pitiful state. What did she say? Mittu qabla hada. I wish I would have died before this. وَكُنْتُ نَسِيَمْ مَنْسِيَّ And become a thing utterly forgotten. So what is the reason why she is going through these emotions? It's, we already realized that a, a lady who is going through this, she's going to she's have all the hormones going around and what, all sorts of stuff. She's not in a normal emotional state. But because she's away from the whole family, and she doesn't even know what's happening to her body, confused. But she does understand one thing. And that's only one thing is a, what are people going to say? They're going to accuse me of something which I never did. And how am I going to answer that? The aspect of people pointing a finger at her modesty, at her haya, that was the most unthinkable thing for her. That I am absolutely the most, you know, a chaste person. But someone accusing me of being unchaste is something I just cannot handle. Subhanallah. You need people to want to take their lives for the loss of money. People want to take their lives because they actually did something wrong. Because they actually got caught red-handed. What is she wanting to take her life for? Or wishing she could have died? What is her big problem? Is just that I don't want my mom to get a bad name. I don't want my uncle and my, uh, my mentor, Nabi Zakaria, to get a bad name. I don't want the deen to get a bad name. Because that's what happens nowadays. That's what happens. When someone who used to come to pray salah does something wrong, all the people pray namaz, they pray salah, this is what they used to do. Right? <laughs> you know, it's the famous, famous thing, Right? He says, you, keep a, you have a beard and you lie. So what should he do? Should he shave his beard and lie? What's the whole point, man? What are you trying to say? So this is uh, actually let me. I'm talking about beard. I remember once uh, coming back on a trip from Hajj. One of the brothers, you know, may Allah take us all for Umrah and Hajj soon. Say Amin. So uh, this person, I told him, you know, Mashallah, you just come back from Medina. Why don't you grow out your beard? And so he said, You're right. This is the perfect time. There's no there's no time more that I'm in love with Medina and Mecca and with the Rasulullah than I am right now. And I said, Why don't you? He says, because I have a fear. I said, what's your fear? Just listen to this story, okay? To understand, not to laugh at anyone here, to understand how shaitan plays with him and me and all of us. He has something, he's just crazy. How he plays with us, you know? Just, just realize that. He's playing with all of us in different ways. So he, I said, why don't you want to keep your beard? He said, because when you start growing your beard, then people start thinking you're pious. I said, okay, then? then people will start trying to come to me to do business with me because they think I'm a righteous person. And then, then he said, then I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, a, I don't cheat and deceive, but I don't want to give an impression that I'm, I'm very pious. And I don't want to attract customers and get more money. 
with people thinking that I'm righteous when I'm just a see the sada straightforward guy. You know, I just went for Haji, yeah, great, but you know, that's about it. I said, SubhanAllah, what a major deception of shaitan. You know, what are you talking about? Just because people think you're more pious by having a beard, you're not gonna keep a beard? That just, just doesn't make no sense. But this is how shaitan, he's a very intelligent person, very smart person, but look at him, this he fell. So we're all falling. I'm falling too, by the way. All of us are falling in something or another. Just be careful, right? Just talk. That's why you make mashwara, talk. Speak to your parents, speak to your spouse, speak to your kids. Ask someone before you make a move like this, this or anything else. Say, does this make sense? And shaitan is also getting him. Whoever you're asking, shaitan is also deceiving him. But he hasn't gotten him through this direction right now. At the moment as you ask him more than likely, Right? So then he'll be able to tell you, you know what, you're not, you're missing the whole point. This just makes no sense what you're saying. So it's a good idea to definitely, you know, share your thoughts and ask, make mashara with people. You are, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts your muhabba and love into the hearts of the people and they think you're a righteous person and they want to do business with you, that's great. Alhamdulillah. Make sure you, do, you honor that. Make sure you honor that. And, do, uh, and every time you look in the mirror and you say, you know what, I'm a changed person. I'm growing out this beard. I just came back from Hajj. I, make, I better make, uh, ensure that I don't cheat anyone. That's a good reminder for you. That's a good reminder every single day. You, check, you know, keep checking for yourself. So I was saying that we have this problem within the community that when someone from who, who practices a portion of the deen that we don't commits a sin that we happen to not be committing at the moment, then we say that these people who do, that's the reason why I don't make an effort to do that part of the deen that he's practicing because the people who practice that type of deen do such sins which I don't do. Did you hear what I just said? So someone who doesn't eat, like for example, Zabi Hamid, doesn't care about it. He's gonna say, it's not a big deal. You know why? Because there's a guy next door, he goes by Zabi Hamid and mashallah, everything is halal, hand slaughtered, whatnot. But guess what? His house is on riba and I don't have my riba. That's wrong, you're right. But one, you know, two wrongs, you know, it's not about, you're, you also have a wrong. You're eating, he is committing a sin that you happen to not be committing, which is, he's involved in riba, which you're not. But you also at the same time, are involved in a sin which he's not, which is eating haram. But that's what shaitan comes and tells us. Did you guys understand how he works? He comes and says, what's a big deal? For example, I remember one person long ago in childhood told me, what's the point of eating zabiha? You all make zabiha. I said, why? What's the problem? He says, I see all these desi people. Desi people go to the meat store and then they buy their zabiha food from there with their hair open. Women without wearing hijab. At least I wear hijab. Valid point. Yes, they should have their hair covered. Yes, they should wear hijab. That's wrong. But that's two different issues. It's like a person who's fasting in the month of Ramadan and you tell him, Someone is fasting in the month of Ramadan who hasn't prayed, which is very common. It happens. Thousands of people fast in the month of Ramadan, but they don't pray. So Alhamdulillah, at least he's, at least he's fasting in the month of Ramadan. Why are you bringing the fact that he didn't, he didn't pray the whole year? That's a separate issue. Right? That's a separate issue. So let's please be careful. Let's please be careful about this. Let's not paint the whole community with one brush and say, all the people go to the masjid, all the people with beards, all the people with hijab, all the people like this, all that, all the, all the people who memorize Quran, all the people who are X, Y, Z. We take one example of someone who slipped and fall in one sin, and we say they're all like that. We cannot generalize. And most of the time, what is the situation? It's simply shaitan is using that as an excuse for us not to do that good deed. So as a, as a, as a child, uh, and even like, Recently too, I would go to places and they would say, oh, you guys have a hiv school or your community does a lot of hivs, huh? I, I was like, yeah, alhamdulillah. This, you know. So, but brother, did, did those kids, do those kids know the meanings? Does a 10-year-old who memorized the Quran know the meanings of the Quran? I said, no. So what's the point? 
So then I turn around and say, okay, you're not 10, right? You're 30. How much of the meanings of the Qur'an do you know? You haven't memorized it, nor do you know the meanings. Nor does your son know the meanings, nor has he memorized it. What's better? At least they memorized it, and inshallah they'll get to, mem- they'll get to the meanings next. Right? Think about it. But look at what, I mean obviously I don't tell them on their face like that, but I'm just trying to tell you is, but th- this, is what, this is what shaitan is making them think. I'm legitimate. If you ask them, why didn't you put your son in hip school? This is what he'll tell you. Why didn't you make your son memorize or learn how to read Quran? Just nazra, qaida, just read. He'll say, because the guys who memorize the Quran, they don't know the meaning. There's a connection, there's no connection here. Leave everyone else's kids. You make your son alim, hafiz, mufti, everything. This reminds me in Pakistan when I was studying. We would go, to, we'd go visit in Jola, Ziyara, go visit people outside of the madrasa, bring them to the, bring them to the towards deen, give them to pray salah and not. I remember one sahab, he was, he was like a, in the dawn of the area, you know what I mean? He was sitting on his charpai, you know, with his long hair, and with, you, you know, probably drinking his chach and lassi and whatnot, sitting there, and he had all his group of friends there laughing at his jokes and whatnot. So we went to go visit him, invite him towards the deen, invite him towards the masjid and whatnot. So he was, where you guys came from? What you guys doing? Then he said, I don't pray any salah. It's like, okay, why? And he started bashing the ulama. He said, the scholars are all useless. All the imams are bekar, bakwas, they're all like. So we said, that's very sad. Okay, so he said, what do you want to do now? He said, <laughs> he said I, I'm serious, I'm making this up. He said, I sent my son to the madrasa to become a hafiz. Once he comes back, I'm going to start praying behind him. Right? But he's becoming hafiz by those same evil people. So he's probably going to become tainted. This comes to my mind. You know what I mean? But this is, this is a legitimate 50-year-old man I'm speaking about who shaitan is deceiving. There's hundreds of cases that I personally, in the one year I was there, I visited so many people like this. And I would, I would just see. I remember another guy who would say, right across this madrasa was this big korti, big, big mahal, huge, huge palace. You know, very, very big house. And we used to go visit there as well, give, give dawah to the workers and whatnot. And uh, I, I might have mentioned this story here before. One day, Sheikh Zubair, the same Sheikh Zubair I spoke about last week with the, the black pepper, you know, <laughs> the, the, you call it the bomb, the kalimich. So one day he came back after Asr, you know, for Jola, and he was just laughing. He, was, he, had, he had an amazing laugh. He was just laughing so hard, holding his stomach and laughing. I'm like, Sheikh Zubair, like, what happened? He's like, I had the funniest karguzari, funniest experience today in Jola. I said, what happened? He said, I went to a guy across the street, <laughs> and I spoke to the, you know, the workers there, hey, you know, come to the masjid. And, and he doesn't speak Urdu, he speaks Arabic, and so they have a translator translating. And he's like, um, he said, no, I don't need to come to pray. So then he tells me in Arabic, he says, li, ila jamus. Ila jamus, jamus, jamus he says, look at this buffalo. Jamus, he's telling, he said, look at him. Right? He's, he's telling Sheikh Zubair, he said, look at the Jamus, is looking at me and smiling. I sit there and, and, and you know, mashallah, every day bring its food, water, malish its back, do all signs of nice things, you know, they do all that stuff to, before, in order to milk them. And this Jamus, it's a real story, this buffalo is going to make dua for me. And that smile of his is telling you that it loves me, cares for me, it's making dua for me, hence I don't need to make any salah the Jamus' dua and the buffalo's dua is sufficient to get me to paradise. These are not little kids speaking, by the way. These are 30, 40 year old men speaking like this. And they're in the thousands and the millions around the world. So shaitan has got something for everyone. For the villager, the pendu in, in the village of Pakistan, to the you know, hi-fi CEO of a company over here. He's, he has some, something to get everyone. Where did, I, where, where did I start? What was I saying? 
forgot. Huh? Yeah, she was at the palm tree, but how, where did, what was the point? I must have been getting in some, I was mentioning those stories for some reason. I forgot, what was the point over there? Um, okay, so she basically at that time went to the palm tree. Ah, she was saying, I just wish that I was unknown because I don't want people to accuse me of stuff. Ah, this is what I was saying. That he's, he's accusing the ulama. One alim, he had a bad experience. Now he said, I'm not going to pray any namaz. Behind any imam, in any masjid. And I'm not going to even pray on my own. Because I, had, I heard people that scholars are you know, sellouts or whatever else maybe. So this is a deception of shaitan. Anytime you hear anyone making a blanket statement, stop them. And say, you don't understand. Whatever they did, they did. But this is a bigger problem you're going to land yourself in. By making blanket statements about people who are connected to the deen. So this is what our Ustads, Mona Shabir Saab, especially our principal used to always tell us when, when the break time used to come. You know, uh, holidays would season would come and he would say, Bhai, tum wapis garpe. You're going back home, you all, going represent, you all represent the deen. Whatever you are in madrasa, you sit there, you joke around, laugh around, whatever. When you go back to the community, people are not going to look at you as, oh, where you are in the madrasa, first place, second place, or last place, whether you used to be tahajjud guzar or you're not. They're going to say, Bhai, you're a student of madrasa. And you say that you're a student of Qur'an. So they can have expectations. So you would always say that please, whatever you do, make sure you don't do anything. Just remember this. He said even if you don't want to do anything, but just always remember that you're not alone. You represent all of us. You represent deen. Make sure you don't do anything that will bring a bad name to the deen. That's powerful. Right? That's, and that's for all of us. As Muslims in this country, we have to remember that. Even if we're not motivated, self-motivated to follow what's right, People around your co-workers, your neighbors, know you as a Muslim. Yeah? So they know you as a Muslim. So that should be a very strong reason for us to be watching everything we say and we do. And you know, driving carefully, driving properly, following all the rules, etc. Because what are people going to say about this? And so the story, I have to mention the story you'd always say. The Bahrupiya story. Right? You might have heard the story. And this is a, a fun, this is an art that they used to have back in the days in, in the subcontinent where people would dress up. And they would, uh, they would dress up like someone and they would try to fake themselves into a different personality, like an actor. And the job would be that, you know, uh, people would have to recognize who this person is and figure out, is this a real person or is it a fake person? Is he just playing or is he reality is who he is? So one of these people, uh, he would, uh, the story goes that he was in the, the, king, the pathway of the king as he would go to his palace he would sit there and um, he, would, um, he would this was his professional art to see if he can deceive the people so every day he would take in different forms and different um, play, play different uh, roles and uh, so one day he would come and he played a, a role of a beggar or was a, a play, a, play a role of a, a magician or a poet, etc. And if the king would not recognize who he was, he would come back the next day, the night, in the nighttime to the king's palace and say, it was me, I got you. So where? So I got you over there. On that specific footpath I was sitting there, you didn't realize it was me. Right? You just thought I was a poet or a magician or a beggar or whatever the case may be. And so he would, he would give him some money. Okay? So... The, the, uh, the story uh, is it historical, real historical story actually, is that um, one time he said, let me dress up and become like a sheikh. 
So he sat there and he built it up properly. Right? He was uh, positioned himself in a masjid far away from the king and he knew the king would go on this path onwards to go fight his, uh, you know, Mughal India would be going to fight the, fight the enemies, invading enemies, he would be passing by this area. So he established himself over there. He had his huge tasbih and vikr beads and all, praying his salah, vikr and whatnot. After some time, eventually, halqa bartega. More people started coming. More people started coming. And people started saying, this guy, his duas are accepted. So long line of people coming, asking for this dua and that dua, and people doing dhikr with him and so forth. He really built a very nice, you know, uh, uh, what you call, front. And uh, he did a great job of doing that. So eventually, the news reached to the king, and he was going on to one of his uh, expeditions. And someone said to this Muslim king that, go, there's so-and-so town, there's a big sheikh there. Everyone's going there to get their duas accepted. You need to go there before you head out to battle. So when he went, arrived there, um, uh, you know, he had to wait in line and whatnot. Eventually he got to the sheikh and he said to him, the fake sheikh, of course, and he said that I am going on a battle and I need you to please make lots of dua that I, I'm successful. And as a nazrana, as a, as a hadiyah, whatever you want to call it, as a gift, he brought him, you know, bags of coins. And he said, at, you know, I'm, throwing it, I'm, I'm presenting it at your, at your feet. Please accept this. As it happens in the babas there, right? Unfortunately, a lot of this stuff happens. So he presented this. I'm going, I'm hoping that this money will bring happiness, a smile on your face, and you'll make dua for me and I will win. He said, go from here. You think I want money? And he's like, what? And he pushed that king out. He said, go from here. Do you think I want money? I'm not here for this. Get out. If you want dua, yes for dua, but absolutely don't try to buy me with this type of gifts. And he literally pushed him out. He refused to accept it. And the king was shocked, and he went on. A surprise and amazed that Ya He truly is a true wali and friend of Allah. He wouldn't even accept my gifts. After the king came back from his journey, was back in his palace, he closed up his shop, <laughs> closed up his prayer beads, locked up the masjid, and went back. Showed up in the king's palace, and he said, Ha ha ha, got you again. He said, Where'd you get me this time? He said, Guess. He gave guess, guess, guess. I was the tea seller, this seller, that. No, 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 no. He said, that masjid, that baba, you came to give you know, millions of coins, that was me. And the king could not believe it. He said, what? How, that was seriously? That was you? How did you do such a good job? And everyone's around you and, you know, subhanAllah. Okay, beyond that, tell me one thing. How much do I owe you? Every time you trick me, I give you 100 rupees or 100 dirhams. Small amount, every time you deceive me. I was giving you hundreds of thousands worth of coins in the masjid that day, in your place of worship, in your ibadah place. And you pushed it away from me. And you pushed me out. And he said, get out from here. I'm not here for this. And you came to collect a hundred dirhams, a hundred, when that was, you know, a hundred times more I was giving you that day. Why did you not take that? I don't understand. Give me this answer. Subhanallah. And so the answer he gave, he said, that when I was playing that actor of, of being a pious person, and being a wali and a sheikh in a masjid, I had a realization that I'm a fake, but I don't want to do anything that would ruin the reputation of the people who are real, who are genuine who are genuine people of Allah, who sit in the masjid, who do dhikr and dua all day, who are serving the people. I don't want my action of greed, subhanAllah, to become a means of ruining the reputation of those awliya and those friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the reason why I pushed away hundreds of thousands of dirhams to come collect my hundred coins right now. So our ustad would share this story and they would cry and they would tell us, that look at the iman 
and the faith of the, of the actor of that day, the beggar and the you know, peasant of that day, how he had this desire that I could be doing whatever I am doing. But I want to make sure that the people of Allah, the people of the deen should not get a bad reputation. So what about all of us? He would tell us. That make sure when you go back, don't ever do anything to bring a bad reputation to the deen. So my dear friends, this is not just for students of knowledge or, you know, or whatnot. This is for all of us. We all represent Islam outside. People are not going to listen to a news channel. They're not going to judge what Islam is based on a news channel as much as they're going to judge Islam based on their neighbor, based on their co-worker. So if we have the very best character and akhlaq around the people, with the people around us, we will see that we'll be able to change the perceptions, subhanAllah, around us. MashaAllah, this is where it all came from. Maryam salam saying that I wish I had passed away before this and had become a thing of utterly forgotten. So what is the reason causing her to say this? It's the haya she has. I don't want people to give a bad rep to deen. My dear friends, let's let it sink in our minds, what I just said here. That, the, that all of us who represent Islam, we have to be so careful. TK, we have to be so careful that whatever business dealings I do, it should never be that people say, Acha Musliman, Muslims are. I was in one place I went to visit in a masjid. Sunday school, a person came with his kids. The people of the masjid said, Yeh banda dekhe ho he brought his three kids to Sunday school. You see him here? He's sitting there in the back. I said, yeah, Musliman nahi, he's not Muslim. I said, what, what is this talking about? His kids are in Sunday school, they're praying namaz, he's not praying. They said, he, he likes Islam, he loves Islam, his three kids, he's raising them as a Muslim, he's a convert. But he says, the character of the Muslims that he has seen is just so, so painfully bad, he can't get himself to accept Islam. Right? He said, I just can't do it. So I, I want my kids to be in this manner, but I, I just have seen too evil, too much wrong in the character of the Muslims to be able to do that. So we have to make sure we don't become that means. And many people think that, Alhamdulillah, I become a means of guiding people. How often do we think, how many people have I misled because of my bad character? And that's something to, we need to think about and let it sink in. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He grant us uh, the ability to preserve the honor of the deen. And may He make us from amongst those who, um, whose actions never bring about any blemish on the deen. Uh, inshallah, we'll continue from ayah 24 um, next week. Ya Allah, we ask you all those who wanted to and intended to attend were not able to, Ya Allah, reward them as well. Ya Allah, whatever was shared, if it was beneficial, indeed it was from you, make it easy for all of us put into practice. O Allah, if any mistakes were made, we seek forgiveness in you from that, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to grant all of us an attachment to the Qur'an, an attachment to the meanings of the Qur'an, to the teachings of the Qur'an, to the recitation of the Qur'an. O Allah, make it easy for all of us, enable all of us to study the Qur'an. O Allah, enable all of us, Ya Allah, to recite the Qur'an beautifully the way it was revealed upon the Prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam. O Allah, we ask you to grant us a true, genuine love for, his, for your Prophet. 
and for his life. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to follow in his footsteps. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us a life of modesty and haya. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us a life of taqwa and tahara. O oh Allah, whatever troubles and trials any one of us are going through, O oh Allah, our loved ones are going through, allow us to have hope in you. Allow us to never give up. Allow us to always have hope in you. And allow us, Ya Allah, to turn to you in with yaqeen and conviction that any type of difficulty may be that we're suffering and going through the solving of that is of absolutely no difficult for you ya Allah no difficulty for you ya Allah it is extremely easy ya Allah you simply have to will it and it will it will happen ya Allah through the barakah of this yaqeen oh Allah remove all the challenges and difficulties any one of us is going through emotional spiritual mental physical diseases financial difficulties that any one of us and our loved ones and those who reached out to us for help oh Allah and our students and our teachers and our staff members oh Allah and, and the pa- patrons and the musallis and their families oh Allah anyone who's going through any through any difficulty ya Allah through your amrikun through your power ya Allah through your qudra remove their difficulties ya Allah all those children who have been misguided oh Allah bring them back to the deen oh Allah those who ruined their relationship with their parents, O oh Allah, allow them to establish their relationships with their parents. O oh Allah, those marriages that are suffering, Allah, bring them back together. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, those parents who are and, and elders of our community, as well as others who are sick and ailing, O oh Allah, grant them shifa, grant them shifa, grant them shifa. Those who passed away, Allah, grant them forgiveness. O oh Allah, grant them forgiveness. O oh Allah, accept the efforts of of of, the, of all the ansar and the volunteers and the patrons of this masjid. O oh Allah, O oh land of the madrasa. O oh Allah, allow the madrasa to open back fully. Ya Allah, with with ease and allow the students to come back and fully Allah with afia with with easy Allah with, with under your protection ya Allah oh Allah we ask you to fulfill all the permissible desires and needs that any one of us have subhanallah rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen ameen assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh